the devil made me do it. A popular saying for when you get caught doing something shady, maybe offhanded, or just as a way to try to diffuse a tense situation. It's also been used in attempts to clear murderers' names and their reputations, and has played out in a major motion picture like The Conjuring. The sad and terrifying truth is that there may be more to these claims. In just the past year alone, we've seen headlines like this. From Las Vegas, mother attempts to kill newborn, says baby was evil. The 22-year-old was charged with attempted murder. Personal injury lawyer who mowed down four people in a parking lot because the voices in her head told her to do so has been suspended from the Florida bar. A mom has been arrested for murdering an eight-year-old son, allegedly saying demons told her to kill the boy. And a Hueytown man who said demons told him to fatally stab, beat, and kill his mother has been sent to a mental health facility. Today, we tackle these controversial and heartbreaking subjects with our guest, a forensic psychologist, Dr. John Huber. Why is it that when the voices in our heads speak, it almost always leads to murder or self-inflicted pain? And more importantly, what can we do about it? Do demons feed off our traumas? Is there a way to treat people that does not include exorcism and religious provocation? In a rare one-off, our guest today will be with us for both segments to discuss the whispers of the demon. And in the second half of the show, he's unveiling a treatment that has been helping rid people of those demons. We're also visited by a surprise guest a little later on in the program for a new edition of Upon Further Review. And Robert Major from GhostRemover.com joins us to answer an email from a listener seeking help. We do all that next right here on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Today, we cover a very dark subject with horrific implications and terrible outcomes for many, the whispers of the demon. Dr. John Huber is a clinical forensic psychologist and is a practitioner with privileges at two long-term acute care hospitals. In addition, he was a professor and taught undergraduate and graduate psychology at Texas State University until 2017. Dr. Huber is one of the guests that I've liked to speak to in the past when it comes to strange phenomena and certainly when it came to the concept of the voices in our head. I knew that this was the man I wanted to speak with. Dr. Huber, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I know you've been open to the concept of the supernatural and paranormal when we've spoken in the past and obviously know that there are people that make in some cases, very outrageous claims that seem to have supporting evidence to back these strange bits of phenomena. Um, 
I, I have a question for you. And again, I don't mean to start this off flippantly and, and that's not my intention at all. I mean this very sincerely, but these voices, the, the headlines we saw with these people hearing the demons whispering to kill. Why is it if it's only a psychological aspect, if it's only something that's inside of us as opposed to an outside influence like the demonic, why aren't these voices telling us, Hey, you should go buy all those Girl Scout cookies. Hey, let's pull over to the side of the road and help that person out. Let's donate everything we have to charity. Why aren't these voices offering help? Why is it always dark and well, demonic? I, to be honest with you, uh, they do sometimes. We just Those never make headlines, so nobody knows that. So unless you work in this profession and work with oftentimes the most troubled you know, people who are suffering from things like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder with psychotic features, you know, that have really a lot of times bizarre, bizarre types of hallucinations, including auditory command hallucinations. And that's what you're hearing. And it can be, you know, I, I've talked to patients that I've been worked with who, who, who were told that they could, they needed to paint these paintings, but they could only use yellow. So everything was yellow. It just looked like, you know, a bunch of yellow lines and everything because there was no contrast, no different colors. And in their mind, they were doing exactly what they were told to do. That doesn't make headlines. That 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 is, you know, one of those things that okay, command hallucinations are not uncommon within that group. It's not rare, um, but it, the the ones that come and say, okay, you have to go hurt somebody, are actually a small percentage of them. But it's like you know, speeding tickets. You know, people going five miles over the speed limit never make the headlines. You know, because everybody gets right. them. They happen all the time. It's the bizarre, unusual that make the headlines. But they happen frequently enough. I mean, we have 330 million people in this country. The frequency is enough that it does create headlines frequently. I mean, it, you know, you want to sell right. news, sell the extreme. And that if it that, bleeds, it leads, right? Absolutely. It bleeds, it leads. absolutely. Well, let me. Uh, let me ask you this, all right? Obviously, I want to set the stage for our listeners as well. As I said, you've been very open about coming on to a paranormal theme show with the world of psychology behind you. Now, even the church takes this seriously when it comes to claims of demonic possession or influence, oppression, uh, infestation, and they want psychological reviews done of people making these claims. And in some instances, they find that the person is mentally unbalanced, but that there is um a preponderance of evidence showing that there's also the supernatural involved and psychologists are the ones explaining this to the Vatican, to the priests that are involved. Where do you lie on the, on the aspect of the paranormal existing and psychological mental breakdowns kind of, can they coexist in your mind? Oh, I, I think so. The problem with, with paranormal type demonic possession is how do we prove it? And does it follow the scientific methodology? You know, when I go into court as an expert witness, that's what I have to walk in there with that scientific methodology behind my statements. And it may not be what I feel, but it's what I can prove in a court of law and following the rules of evidence. And in fact, you know, so much so a production company last summer was during COVID was trying to get me to work with them on a, a reality show where we would go and investigate demonic possessions to see if we could prove demonic possession or prove uh, that it was actually some other phenomenon involved, whether it's mental health issues or, or toxins and things like that. And everything was going great until the network didn't want to face and deal with the church if we couldn't prove that there were at least some 
truth behind their exorcisms and stuff. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting how powerful that is in that situation. Do you believe that, that we are, or we can be influenced by the spiritual realm by forces? I, I think there's a lot of things out there we don't understand. Again, we can't count and measure. And that's kind of the scientific mentality. If you can't count and measure it, then it didn't happen kind of thing. Right. But we all have that, that, you know, gut feeling that one time, Oh, I don't need to get on the plane. And then something happens and you're like, wow, thanks. You know, whoever <laughs> told me that message, you know, we've had something like that um, happen to us. So we know there's something to that. We also understand that, you know, uh, if you go back and look at the, this concept of a collective unconscious, that somehow we're all, connected to the ether and maybe there's energy out there that's that's pointing us in one direction or gives an avenue for that demonic possession to walk into your life and take kind of control and hold of your life and make you do things that you wouldn't otherwise do i i have friends that are psychologists psychiatrists work in the mental health uh, field and have worked in hospitals that have off the record told me stories that you know they're they're brought in a what is it? A fifty-one fifty? I think they're they're mm-hmm. called uh, these police deals, and sometimes they will tell me the police are so rattled because what they're dealing with, the strength, the way this person's reacting, physical changes that are taking place on this person, they do not think this is just drugs, and they think it's something beyond mental issues. But they, you know, the police don't go as far as saying, "I think this person's possessed." Yet I've talked then to the the practitioners are helping them and they've said, I got to tell you, Dave, we've given them heavy hits of narcotics to try to shut them down so that we can get them out of control because they're so out of control and it has absolutely no effect on them. They almost mock us in these weird voices and, and they've done some strange things. And there have been times we've had staff refuse to enter the room with that person. And, and, you know, they've said, I can't, I can't ever go on record and tell you which hospital or where this took place, but it is terrifying when it happens. And, and we are seeing this now, obviously these headlines are all within the last two years and the world has been under an inordinate amount of stress between the derision in the United States of political strife to COVID and, and kind of the fracturing of society, you know, what's real, what's not, what's real news, what's not, what's really medically helping us, what's not. It can be terrifying on, on all sides. So I'm, I'm curious. I mean, we, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and just say, Oh yeah, we're all under a lot of stress. These murders are most likely taking place because of that. Uh, and we also know that in some of these instances, um, when, when these newborn children are involved, mothers are dealing with postpartum depression, which can, can truly affect them. And I've, I've, you know, I've got uh, eight children and I've seen postpartum depression firsthand and I know how devastating that can be. But to again, just summarily say, well, we're all under a lot of mental strain. Doesn't that seem to be exactly what the dark forces would want? They'd want somebody that's already kind of fractured and broken. Uh, how do you d- differentiate when you're talking to somebody that it's not something supernatural? Or are you ever kind of sitting back in the seat thinking, oh, crap, at any time, this thing could jump at me. I think there's something else going on here. Well, you know, I think I think you're right. There, there seems to be an increase in frequency. I don't think th- these are, are new things. You know, we can go back. We, we were off the air. We're talking about previous movies in the past and stuff. And they came up because, you know, 
it is overwhelming. When you see somebody having a full-blown psychotic break and having their hallucinations and their delusions, it is a very powerful thing. And it's hard not to believe that there isn't some kind of demonic possession. But we also know that individuals like this respond really well to different types of medications. But then when they don't, what's going on? Uh, we can go back and look you know, just in more recent past, go back to 2000, 2001 with Andrea Yates. She killed five of her kids, all of them, because she believed one of them was going to be, you know, the 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 end of the beginning of the apocalypse. And right. she didn't the know which one it was going to be. Right. So she killed them all because she wasn't sure which one it was. Then we go back to the 70s to Son of Sam uh, Berkowitz, you know, David Berkowitz. And. Um, you know, and it's interesting because I, I've gotten to analyze uh, stuff from from his collect, you know, from some collectors and stuff who have dialogue and recordings and stuff like that. And listening to him, uh, he sounds so lucid and coherent to say that he was having psychotic episodes. And it's, it's almost um, nonsensical because th there aren't the typical types of uh, thought processes and um, the the thought issues, the thought brain conscious, you know, using right. wrong postulates to base theories off of that are just overtly everybody knows. For example, you know, uh, one of the things that I often ask is some, to some of my patients is some bizarre type questions or I'll tell them a story. Like I have a friend who whose feet are so big that he has to put his pants on over his head and people who are you know, delusional or having a psychotic episode oftentimes, oh yeah, that makes sense. I have a friend like that too. Well, it doesn't really matter how long your feet are. You still put them on one leg at a time. You don't put them on over the top of your head. So, well, um, now I know. will say this as a funny aside on this and, and not meaning to make light of it again. Sometimes it's also in what people are really listening to as a, you know, driving in Illinois, a uh, perfect example it was prom weekend and, and uh, my buddy and I were taking our girlfriends to a theme park in Illinois and you have to pass because it's Illinois, you have to pass through a number of toll booths. And as you approach the toll booths, you hear the grated sound, the brr, 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 brr. and my friend, his girlfriend, I'm not going to say names because it's been 35 years, but I just don't want to piss people off. Right. She turned to her boyfriend and said, why do they have that in the road? It is so annoying. And without missing a beat, he turned to her and he said, well, so that the, the blind drivers know that they're coming up to a toll booth. And she goes, oh, God, that makes sense. <laughs> and then he looked up at me in the rearview mirror and was like, what? So I looked at my girlfriend and I said, it's so the blind drivers no, they're coming up to a toll booth. And my girlfriend turned to me and said, I'm not stupid. I heard him. That makes sense. And the two of us looked up at each other again and we're like, we know they've heard us. We know they're not stupid, but it's like the process just wasn't there right. for that it's moment. Disorder. Right. And, and we joked around and, and, and then finally we both turned to him and we're like, blind people don't drive. <laughs> they can't drive. And then they were like, Oh my God, how did that not register? But it's interesting, right? The, the frame of mind and what's being said and sometimes being out of your conscious self, being out of that moment, you, you almost seem to get messages or hear these things more clearly. It's a setup, you know, it's, it's yeah. framing everything. I mean, that's why music is so important to horror movies. I mean, I remember back in the day when, you know, DVDs were brand new and they finally released Halloween, you know, and I ran down and got it from my department store the day it was there. I come home, we throw it in there and there was no soundtrack to it, no music. Oh. There, there was all the, the, the lines from the actors 
but all of a sudden none of it was scary. It was right. ludicrous. It was funny. You could see cigarette smoke coming out from the camera guys behind, you know, and then wafting. It was obvious it was cigarette smoke. I mean, it was, right. couldn't be anything else. And it's hysterical, but we took it down. And now I'm wishing I had just kept it and waited, waited until they updated and got new ones, you know. But it's so, so important to remember how things are framed. And if you come into a situation, you know, um, in the next second, we're going to talk about about using some some psychedelic medicine for for therapy. And I oftentimes have people who I get to train with some of the doctors I work with, some of the nurses and stuff. I had an experience where, you know, we were giving this patient their dose and all of a sudden, you know, it's very. Hold on, hold on. I, I want you to share that for the next segment. Okay, I'll wanna, save that I, one for that. Okay. I want to I want to bridge the two, two okay. segments with okay. that because that 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 still gives me the willies. <laughs> in, in talking about this aspect and the fact that um, people hear voices, listen, I hear voices. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I've, I I'm very insecure throughout my entire life. I was bullied as a as a youngster, and you know. Um, had some issues with abandonment, uh, not from my mom or anything, but my biological father who I never knew. And, and, you know, it's just very strange, always kind of feeling out. So I've, I've often heard these voices. I've never equated them to the demonic. I've just equated them to, and, 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 but the weird thing is, is I know that they're not mine. If that makes sense. It's a voice to me that isn't my voice, but it's like, man, you're just not good enough. You don't even. So it's deserve not like the internal self talk. It's like there's something it, else in there, right? And I know that sounds strange, but it's like it's. I can. There's a difference between, and I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to go talk to that girl. She's way too hot. There's no. There's not a. I mean, that's the self talk. Right. You right. can hear it, but then there's these other times where it's the voice. It's like. You know, and, and, and professionals, uh, in the media field, especially deal with this, uh, the imposter syndrome, right? That voice seems to be on a whole different level that, that feeling of you don't belong here. Eventually they're going to figure out, you don't know what you're doing and you are going to look like a complete failure. And that's a totally different space than that voice. that's like, Oh, you can't go talk to that girl. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. I mean, there's two different levels of that. What is, is that just different levels of our id, of our consciousness that are doing that? Or are we subjected to some negativity from outward forces that maybe not demonic, but maybe it's the, you know, on social media is brutal. I, people will say, you're fat, you're ugly, you're old. Why are you on TV? Jesus, give up right. the radio show, right. go do this. So they're putting all that out there. Does that exist in the ether? Can it affect us well, consciously? I, I think I think a lot of that can't. I mean, the world is not a safe place. I mean, we we have bad people out there, right. and you know, I I believe there are monsters out there, but they're all on two legs. I mean, mm-hmm. I can sit down with you, and maybe we can do do that at some other point and talk to you about some of the interviews I've had with people who have been you know arrested, raping like two year old children and things like that, and you just there's just pervasive feeling of just evil emanating from that person. Now, is that my mind that's just projecting that onto this person? It could be, it's, you know, but they're just subtle things. And, you know, the way they perceive the world and, you know, uh, talk to them. I, I, I've talked to a lot of them and ask them about different things like, you know, okay, it's, it's Christmas Eve and you're d- delivering packages for, for a major carrier like UPS or FedEx. And as soon as you offload your last package, you get to go home, you know, and, you walk up to the last gate with the last package and there's this, this Rottweiler sitting there and he's, you know, danger all over everything, mm-hmm. all the signs, you know, he's going to kill you. 
if you get over that fence, well, what do you do? And it's amazing how many of those people have said things like, well, I kill the dog. I mean, just blatantly, I just, I kill the dog like it's right. nothing. And you're like, well, what do you mean you'd kill the dog? Well, yeah, I'd shoot it. Well, why would you shoot it? And the next answer is, you think I'm going to drive around in strange neighborhoods without a gun in my car? <laughs> yeah, just right. the whole way they see the world. It's different so wiring. Different. Right. Yes. And, and that, that perspective comes across in their subtle language to us. And there's something in that, that nonverbal communication that our bodies pick up on. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I had a, a linguist one time told me that, that 80 to 85% of all communication face to face is actually the nonverbal posturing, whether you can trust what the person's saying, all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we don't even realize we're picking up on that stuff. And having sat in, cells because that's what they were, you know, with people like this who have committed heinous crimes, serial rapists, serial killers, things like that. And you have a normal conversation. You want to start off the whole, you know, introduction. You don't go right in and start drilling them. You start with a normal conversation and, you know, and there's just something off about it. There's just something that isn't quite right. And, you know, maybe that is that evil or that evil spirit or that possession, or it could be the fact that human beings to them are something to use and not to, to be held with any kind of, of love or esteem. You know, it's just another human being is there for me to use and for me to have a better life and get what I can get from them. And if I hurt them, it's not really my problem. So who cares? And that alone feels very evil when you hear people talk and because it's like outside that. of the paradigm of your own, right? It's like measuring people by the yardstick of your own experiences. You're always going to be let down. And if somebody's doing something outside of your realm of comfort, that seems evil. It seems dark. It seems wrong. But at the same time, that darkness is seductive. People want me to go in and find out what I can about son of Sam and come back to them and, and tell them stories about talking with family members of the victims and the investigators and things like that. You know why though? Because Dr. Huber, they want you to tell them the devil made him do it so that we can all feel comfortable that maybe if we just go to church, if we pray a little more, if we eat our, our peas and carrots, we're safe from this. It's not just, this could happen to anybody. Everybody and anybody is open to mental issues and and doing this. I think that's part of the seduction is they pray almost that it's something much worse than it really is. Do you think there's an element of that to people? Oh, it would be nice if I could say, oh, yeah, it is this evil mechanism in place. And so you don't have to worry anything as long as you don't go and 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 chase after demonic things and paint demonic pictures and, mm-hmm. you know, sacrifice goats in your backyard and things like that. You're going to be fine. Um, or if it does happen, then you can go sacrifice the goat or the chicken and, you know, place, you know, half eaten watermelons under your bed and stuff to absorb all the evil spirits, whatever your belief set is. Is that what Um, my kids have been doing with the food they stick under their bed? They're just trying to pull in evil spirits. It's well, I, I've talked to some Santeria priests and, and food supposedly does pay some kind of part in it. So, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I appreciate your unique insights to this and the, the ideas of the whispers of the demon. And and there are those of us that carry our own demons that have these issues, and not just psychological. There are mounting things that we carry through our lives, these baggage of, yes. of things that people have put upon us, that we put upon ourselves. Uh, and then that does make us more open to negativity, 
to darkness. And it, I believe in the law of attraction. I know you and I have talked about that yes. before. When you start getting into that vibrational place of being successful, it's amazing how success comes to you. When you're in a place of darkness, it's amazing how darkness comes to you and, and it will find you. It, it, it seeps in through the cracks. So I appreciate the insights on this. We're going to take a, a quick break with you. And I know you're going to come back for the next segment with us to discuss a really interesting uh, and, and listen, honestly, you are the second person I heard this from a, a listener just recommended this to me recently, but an interesting new therapy that, uh, or at least new to me therapy that's out there that may be able to help people to change this vibration, to change the things and the patterns that they've had. So stay tuned. We will speak more with Dr. John Huber before that though. Uh, I want to reach into our mailbag of the macabre and uh, we like to try to take some of these emails and, and see if we can get answers for them. And one of our longtime friends in the field of paranormal podcasting is Robert major from ghostremover.com. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me today. Hi Dave. I'm here. I got an email and I know I sent this to you. I want to uh, read this really quickly for our listeners uh, to appreciate. Hi, Dave. My name is Andrew, and I could really use some advice, real advice. For the past year and a half, I've been hearing voices. And before you jump to conclusions about me needing to check myself into the palace of jump house rooms and cool people jackets, I assure you, I already have done this twice. I did check myself into two mental health care facilities. The doctors couldn't find anything wrong, and the meds they prescribed did nothing but chemically imbalance me. I tried doing research myself. I came up with a few things that might be the source, but I have no real background knowledge on these topics. First, gang stalking by people because the voices sound and act human, but the whole targeted individual thing seems to be filled with nothing more than paranoid delusional people. And I, I just can't fathom a group of people wasting their time on me unless it's some Scientologist's hobby. Number two, gang stalking by the fallen. And I found this while looking into gang stalking. I had a hard time understanding why I would be targeted, but they, the voices, did use words I had never heard before. The voices used the word edify and that they had some weird religious connection to this theory. Third, I've got some kind of jinn or spiritual connection because I keep hearing it ask me to decree things. Or four, I've just become clairaudient. But these voices seem as if they can't really see me that well. So I really, I just don't know. At one point, they were just telling me and, and saying all kinds of random scenarios of what they could be. Here's what they've, uh, the voices have claimed to be. Reptilians, which are part of the alien sect. Fallen angels. Vampires. People that I know. The CIA. Alternate dimensional entities. Psychics. Neurologists. Now, the thing is that a lot of the stuff I've heard is stuff I'd never fathom nor have any belief in, almost as if it were a distraction tactic. But from what? The issue has resulted in me losing connection to my family, my children, forced into ultimatums, getting arrested, feeling or being discredited, the loss of my job, my home, and incredible depression. I have journals that I've been writing to try and find a connection, but I'm at my wit's end here. This is the second Christmas in a row that I haven't been able to spend or see my children. I think about ending it if I can't find a solution. It's, it's really that bad. The male thing they do is, or the main thing that they do is make me hear my loved ones getting tortured, murdered, dismembered. It's, it's horrible. 
It comes with gruesome sound effects and the voices of my loved ones. And when I inquire to these loved ones, I've heard in my head, they have no knowledge about it. And I believe them. I keep hearing go to Colorado or get out of California, which is where I live. There's so much I've heard and felt that I can't make heads or tails of. I need someone who has knowledge in the weird and a broader spectrum to diagnose, but I don't know where to go. Medical science has not helped me. I live in Orange County, California. Please, any advice would help. Robert, I know that you're out in that area, and I know that for years we've been sending people to you that have sought help through conventional means and have not found it. Uh, Just hearing this, on the whole, what advice would you have for Andrew? I would say he's already gone to the medical system. I always suggest to people, go ahead and and exhaust all the medical Mm -hmm. and see what's going on. Now, he has multitude of voices, and I, I, and with what we do, we find that there aren't that many voices normally. There's a, the top voice, and then there's secondary voices, maybe. But it sounds like he's got a party going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, to, all, to all intents and purposes, it sounds like he yeah. is dealing with uh, schizophrenia, multiple personality, or some kind of disorder. But again, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't, right. I don't want to talk about that. But I, he says that he's been cleared. Yeah. You know, uh, a second opinion. That, yeah. Second opinion always helps. He's well, been in twice. I think that's a second <laughs> opinion. That's why we're coming to you, Robert. As, <laughs> as a paranormalist, somebody that deals with this and helps remove uh, spirits and entities from people, uh, things that, that are energy, bothering them. I, I call right. them invisible conscious energies. They invade uh, an individual who gets mm-hmm. um, traumatized somehow, either, right. either right. physically or mentally. And it, it, it creates that crack that you related to earlier in the energetic your energetic field and then that's how they get in and then they subtly influence and eventually they can try to take over because um remember one body one spirit is the rule but we've we've come across where people have had 60 and 70 in there and they're not always talking not everybody's having a discussion there's primarily a, a, a leader and um, then we'll just take them out. Can you? Are you okay? Yeah. Are these are these energies? Um, do you feel fragments of souls that they've maybe picked up along the way? Not 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 fully intelligent or fully realized souls, but you know the the traumas that we leave behind in life, the the things that have happened to us. Maybe he's picking up on people that have been murdered or raped or or injured. And he's getting those fragments of them and just associating. And I know it's hard to, to to analyze that in this kind of conversation, but you've dealt with dealing with these kind of things before. Does it feel like maybe these aren't fully realized entities? He, he could have an antenna out there and he could be mm-hmm. picking up a lot of... Uh, these fragments that you, you talk about, there are fragmented en- energies roaming around us all the time. And if he's that perceptive, then he needs to turn down the antenna. Right. And these could, these could be uh, you know, just be left behind. Mm-hmm. They're left behind. Um, I'm a hypnotherapist. And what I do assist people with is to kind of deaden that. If I can get them into a nice trance, we can turn down the volume and uh, that's one aspect the other thing is uh, um serotonin 
we always ask people make sure your serotonin level is 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 uh, where it's supposed to be because once you have a chemical imbalance you're open to all all kinds of things in your mind now for our audio listeners i just want to say a truck just drove by uh robert's home or something that wasn't the roar of of a demon cave opening up as he's giving advice because i know i will get those emails i just wanted to address that yeah so yeah i mean there's there's so many it's a multitude of, of issues now for us what what we would do is check the individual to see if he does have attachments then we go from there and once that happens then we say hey Let's get them out of there, close up the opening, and then see how the individual is. Now, there's no no guarantee that it's going to solve all the problems. But we do know when there are uh, mental problems, then the uh, in, the invaders or whatever are the attachments the right. yeah, will compound the problem. Mm-hmm. So that's all we can do. Like, we can't guarantee. All we can do is just tell you that we can take the attachments off. Now, Andrew, I want you to know I have forwarded this email on to Robert. He is aware of you. He knows your email. He'll be reaching out to you. And if if, if Andrew feels secure to talk about this in the future and, and is willing to allow you to come forward and talk about this, we'd love an update from you, Robert, as you sure. are able to figure this out. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I mean, sure. and it's out there. And his is really pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. But now, mo- most people who are attached, they don't even know. They have no idea. And they... Uh, Small behavioral. So I'll give you one right. where uh, the little old lady who was came to us was attached. We took the attachment off. I ca- she came back two weeks later. She goes, you know, my life's so much better. I don't have the headaches and I don't have the voice inside my head telling me to steal. She was shoplifting. Huh. And uh, so th- that that's how subtle it can be. You, well, we- you- We'll have yeah. a link up for Robert uh, on today's show guide, ghostremover.com. You can find him and uh, get some help as well. You can also email him at robertafterlife at gmail.com. Robert, thanks for the work you do and always weighing in and giving us some insights on sure. a different view of this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I You're pre- very welcome, Dave. And thank you. I appreciate it, Robert. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Dr. John Huber will be here to discuss a treatment for people that are dealing with the demons in their lives. It's a real game changer as well. This is something that is, uh, after he spoke to me about this, I started doing research on it and hearing the people that are having results with this is startling. So whether you're dealing with the affliction of the supernatural or the affliction of your own insecurities and issues, we may have the answer that you're seeking for PTSD, for your own issues and more. So stay tuned. We'll discuss that when we return to the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. No, 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 no. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. This sounds awesome. The Oregon Bigfoot Festival and beyond. July 30th, 2022 at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds in Canby, Oregon. Hey, look at that right there. Oh, yeah. So general admission is $25 online or $35 at the gate. But that includes admission to the Monsters and Mayhem show featuring Jason Hawes of Ghost Hunters and Cliff Berrickman of Finding Bigfoot. Oh, oh, and even more. Oh, wow, look at them all. Cool. It's going to be awesome. Hey, baby, you guys thinking what I'm thinking? 
Tickets are available at OregonBigfootFestival.com. Hey, things are about to get squashy again. Here's how I used Mother Nature's magic to crush my fitness goals. I love the Snarky Tea Get Fit Starter Kit. It's all natural, delicious, and they deliver on their promises. Best part, it's half the price of other detox teas. I drink the daily detox in the morning for gut health and the cleanse two times a week after the gym for bloating and weight management. Add this kit to your fitness journey. It works so well. And right now, new customers, you'll get 10% off your first order. People love Snarky Tea's six-week Get Fit Starter Kit. Why? Because Snarky Tea utilizes Mother Nature's magic to help you crush those fitness goals. With spicy ginger to support digestion, comforting dandelion to support detoxification, and gentle holy basil to support purification, the Daily Detox Blend is the perfect way to kickstart your wellness journey. Add in the Gentle Cleanse Blend with activating fenugreek for bloating and relieving senna leaf to support deep cleansing, and you've got the perfect post-workout companion. What are you waiting for? Get started today. Grab the Snarky Tea Get Fit Kit. That's snarkytea.com backslash get fit. Snarkytea.com backslash get fit and get yourself on the road to recovery. Hey, friends, I wanted to remind you the Spirits and Sixth Sense Retreat, that's a lot of S's, at the historic Palmer House Hotel is taking place in June on June 10th and on June 11th. We have two one-day events that are chock-a-block full of great information. Sarah Lemos from the show Ghosts of Morgan City, Portals to Hell, The Osbournes, she's going to be on hand to do a two-hour presentation on helping you develop your abilities. And then... Bill Chappell, the Tony Stark of the paranormal who's been creating really interesting equipment to try to communicate with the other side for over almost 20 years now, will also be on hand with a brand new piece of equipment that you will be the first to get. That's right. When you purchase your ticket to be a part of the event, you get to take this home with you. It is a new way to try to test and change your perceptions so that you may be able to connect with the other side. You may be able to connect with telepathy. There's a bunch of great experiments that we're going to be trying throughout the weekend. And then that night, Shane Pittman from the Holzer Files and myself will be leading a paranormal investigation using the techniques that we've taught throughout the day with Sarah Lemos, Bill Chappell, and the two-hour presentation on ghost hunting we'll be presenting. You'll get an opportunity to go through the Palmer House Hotel utilizing these new ideas, and we will experiment and have a fascinating and fun time. I hope you guys will check it out. You can get more information by visiting darknessevents.com. We are keeping this limited to only 40 people per day, only 40. So if you want to be a part of this, jump on it. We're already half sold out for the events on both June 10th and June 11th. We hope to see you there. Again, go find it at darknessevents.com. Dr. John Huber is the CEO of tripsitter.clinic. You heard me right, tripsitter.clinic. He's also the chairman of Mainstream Mental Health, as well as a mental health professional and university professor that has been in mental health for over 20 years. And with his new endeavor, he's helping people get the healing they need in an unconventional method that is quickly catching on and gaining the attention of the world for dealing with a myriad of issues. 
Dr. Huber, I want to thank you so much for staying with us and being part of this for the next part of the segment. I know off air, we were talking about that strange experience that you had doing this. So let's start off with what is ketamine and what is ketamine therapy? And then tell us that really bizarre story that you had happen. All right. Well, and it's my pleasure to, to continue with you here today. But ketamine is a, a medication that was discovered in the 60s. And by 1970, it had been FDA approved as what we call a dissociative anesthesia. And one of the reasons why we call it dissociative anesthesia is oftentimes people feel like they leave their body behind. And, and uh, we, we know that this is part of a psychedelic experience that patients often, often have. Now, it works really good for pain management, really good for anesthesia, has some benefits. I mean, they use it on little kids because it doesn't suppress respiratory system in overall the majority of people involved. There's always outliers. We know that. But for the most part, that doesn't happen. And it is, in fact, now because of what happened with with certain people like Michael Jackson with propofol, now they're, they're saying we need to use Ketapro, which is a combination of ketamine and propofol. And when I talk to my anesthesiologist friends and stuff, they talk to me about that as the new standard of care. You just don't give propofol. You have to add the ketamine. It takes less propofol then, less suppression of respiratory uh, symptoms, and you don't have to worry about dying and things like that. So overall, it is a very safe medication. Uh, It's been around again since 1970. It's been used by millions and millions of people without any kind of incidents. Um, what we do know is psychotropically, and this actually started in the seventies too. If you go back and look at research, it was coming out of Russia and up until 1974, it was actually coming out of Iran until the Ayatollah and all that mess happened and they shut down their, their research. There's a lot of good research in those two countries about the benefits, the psychological benefits of it for a couple of reasons. One of them is uh, that it focuses on this neurotransmitter called glutamate. And glutamate, glutamate is this transmitter that is involved with every cell in the central nervous system, and it helps communication. It facilitates communication between all those cells. Now, that is in contrast to other types of psychedelic-type medicine, because we do believe that this is a psychedelic-type medicine, but things like psilocybin mushrooms or LSD, they focus on our more standard traditional uh, neurotransmitters, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. And that oftentimes makes those hallucinations much more powerful, whereas the glutamate is a much slower type and weaker type of hallucinogenic, although it can be very overwhelming at times to individuals. But it's very easy to kind of moderate that. And it only lasts about 45 minutes to maybe an hour, whereas psilocybin can last up to six hours. LSD could be going for 12 hours. So this is something you could take, say, on Monday night and get up and go to work on Tuesday morning and not have to worry about missing work and things like that. So it it has benefits, even though it does use that psychedelic. Now, boosting glutamate, um, we know that there's, there's several studies that indicate that this may cause what we call neurogenesis. It may actually cause your brain to start growing new brain cells. Wow. Now that so I can make up for all the damage I did to it in college. Absolutely. Absolutely. In (laughs) fact, you know, about that age, by by the time you're 25, we consider our brains to be relatively fixed, although we still believe they're plastic. We've seen how we can make them change people with trauma to the head. You know, we they relearn things when different parts of their brain have been damaged. 
Right. Uh, so we know it is plastic, but it's a very slow thing. Now compare that to the plasticity that we get, say, before the age of 10 in young kids. And that's kind of how this works, how it feels now with with adults. I get a 35, 40 year old adult in there and we get them on on their ketamine treatment. And we can do things in therapy in a very short window of time, days or maybe weeks that might have taken me years to do in the past without the help of ketamine. And, uh, you know, we want to titrate that so it's working the best and it does do some amazing things. I mean, it, it allows you to reset different areas of your brain, for example, the, the pain centers in the brain. And I, I'm a I'm a patient. I, I broke my shoulder at 18. I've broken it two times since. I, I'm an active person. I do martial arts. I'm out in the country. I do hiking and camping and hunting and fishing and things like that. And I'm all over the place. I'm active. And I've, I've injured my shoulder, you know, at least three different times. I had multiple surgeries on it, but I've had chronic pain since 18. And what the ketamine was able to do for me it was it reset the the pain centers of my brain and says, hey, this isn't pain anymore. This is your new you. This is the way your normal is from here on out. So all of a sudden, those signals kind of went away, like when you put on that sock in the morning and your foot, you know, is kind of knotted up in that knot in the bottom of the sock, but you're late for work. So you put your shoe on anyway, and, and it hurts for a few minutes. But by the time you're halfway down the street, you your brain has put these filters up and so it no longer bothers you until you get home that night and take your sock off and you see that the damage right. or the blister you have and now all of a sudden you're aware of it. But with the ketamine, it resets those centers and you don't have to worry about taking the shoe off at the end of the day because it's it's reset. And hmm. the beauty of that is they didn't have to do a, a nerve block or anything else because I do martial arts and I do go and get thrown around a bit. It's always good to know if I'm going to hurt myself, if I'm hurting myself again. So if I do new damage, that message comes through. Right. So then unlike, I unlike pain medication, which will, will, it's putting bandage on a much worse injury where you're, you're covering up the pain and then you go out and you feel like you can do these things. And that's only really re-injuring yourself and creating a higher pain level. You're not learning a new pain tolerance, but the ketamine is, is, taking the floor balance of this and, and raising it so that that's your new zeroed level. Yes. So that you don't feel that pain. It's not erasing it. It's not causing you to cause more damage. And and this also helps with, with PTSD. This helps with not just the physical aspects, but it's helping with the mental aspects of Absolutely. dealing with trauma. With reset. Right. Now, <laughs> you, you had an interesting story. As I said, off air, you were, when I first approached you about being on it, you're like, Dave, I got to tell you something. And please share this with our listeners. I, I, this okay. still well, gives me the willies, but it's cool. Well, I want to part, part of, uh, I kind of finished the previous thought and I'll move right into that. And if the previous thought, you know, why, why does it work? Well, we know it, it does and resets and reboots your brain in a lot of different ways. The other thing it does is through that psychedelic experience, it reframes your perspective on life. And, you know, people go, oh, well, you know, I don't want to have the psychedelic experience. Well, it still works. So I can give you a, a lower than psychedelic experience dosage and we still get good results. It just takes longer. But if I want to titrate, titrate that medication so that's the best, I sit down with my doctors and our goal is to get that psychedelic experience and reframing of, of all that experience. Now, in the process, <laughs> That perspective, they you do hallucinate, you do have delusions, you do you do have 
mostly visual, but you also get auditory hallucinations. And one day I was in one of my, my peer physician's office and, and she was supervising the medication side of things. And I'm in there with one of her nurses. And part of what I do is train the nurses in the whole idea of set and setting and transitioning back from ketamine into regular therapy or regular life activities and things like that. So that I don't necessarily always have to be there when they do ketamine in their office. So a new, new nurse is in there and we're sitting there and this very petite, very, very mild mannered, you know, relatively high pitched voice woman is sitting there and we hook her up to the IV and we, she lays back and she's getting her medication and, and she, you can see, you know, she's almost immediately under the influence of the ketamine. Right. She's and, checked out, huh? <laughs> yeah. She's checked out. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, she just out of nowhere, she sits straight up. Now her feet don't lift up out of the bed. You know how normally when you, when you raise up, you either have to push with your arms or you lift up your feet and, you know, use the counterweight. Right. Right. None of that. Her arms are like this. And all of a sudden she just sits up, feet haven't moved. She turns and I'm sitting to her left. She turns and look at me. And in this very, very deep male voice, she looks at me and goes, you know, I don't like you. And the nurse panicked. Oh my God, demons got up, ran out the door, and I haven't seen her since. Actually, she, she ended up quitting the, the practice because she she was afraid of the demons that we were playing with in her perspective. Um, well, how do you now come on? I know you're a big guy. I know you're into karate and martial arts and that you're you're strong. I don't care how tough you are, doctor. When a little petite woman sits up and goes, You know I don't like you, don't you? And you're she's whacked out on this medicine. This, it, that was that had to be somewhat unnerving for you as well. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've seen stuff like that before, and I've seen people having you know full blown psychotic episodes that nobody knew they had psychosis or anything else, and there was no medication to filter it. And it, uh, I mean, it really does look like the only answer is that it is demonic possession. Okay, um, and and again, that's why I said, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, we don't have the scientific tools and methodology at this point to, to rule that completely out. You know, we can say, well, we can't prove it. So we have to throw it out. And what do we do in science? We fail to reject the null hypothesis. Okay. That's mm -hmm. clear as mud. So, you know, um, we can go through that whole process and how, how do we determine if that's real? And then this happens. Well, I'm not, I'm not you know, crazy. So, I mean, I have lots of friends that are, that are priests and in different religions. And I talk with them. I talk, you know, we, we also talk with, with, uh, people who I gotta, I gotta really stop you for one second, Dr. Huber, because this timing or not, as soon as we start talking about how maybe it's not the paranormal, it's not a demon, your audio starts getting janky. Your video starts freezing <laughs> up. It's like, they're screwing with you. They're like, Oh, it's not. Are you sure, Dr. Huber? <laughs> you, know, you know, and it could be. I, I'm not. I'm not in denial. I just. I, I just until I can prove it. Right. One course. way or the other. You know. <laughs> and I, honestly, if the ketamine chases demons out and that makes my patients better, I love it because I want my patients to have a better life. That's what I'm doing this for. And well, if it works for them, let's do it. You know. Now, let's, let's use that. I wanted to say something to you about this. I talked to you about the fact that uh, two years ago, I took a journey um, and it was in an ayahuasca ceremony mm -hmm. journey. That was uh, the practitioner did this with me in the great state of New Jersey in a hotel room. And actually I think it was psilocybin. It was a chocolate piece that I ate. And there were a few people there to, to watch over me and take care of me. 
And when it comes to I don't, the, the supernatural, right? I mean, I, I went into it. She goes, what are your biggest fears? And I said, death and snakes. That's it. Those are my two biggest fears. And I said, this is my nervous point of doing this because I don't want a bad trip. She goes, you're not going to have a bad trip. I promise you. The the, the medicine knows what you need. Right. The medicine will help you. She's and right. she, she wanted a word. Give me a word, something that's going to be your focal point for this. And mine was forgiveness, which threw me, right? I, I was trying to think all deep. I'm like, oh, love and prosperity, abundance. And like when it came to me, I just said forgiveness. And, and my trip consisted of that. And I was learning things. But what was really surprising to me, as you talk about, you know, if this ketamine, if this, if this work can help you purge demons, whether it's real or the baggage we carry with us, I will tell you that I had one of the most profound moments in this. Um, when I was laying on the floor, um, the practitioner was holding my right hand. My friend was holding my left. As I was going through this, my body began shaking and I was I was in two worlds at once. There's no doubt about it. And I said, I said, oh, shit, this is going to be big. And she said, but what's coming up? And like my body started to convulse. I felt almost like I was giving birth. Now, ladies, please don't send me hate mail. I, I understand it's a much more painful experience, but I'm trying to equate it to something that all viewers and listeners could understand. There was this like birthing process of something, and I knew what it was. And it was a friend of mine, Deb, that had been murdered. Um, I'd carried her with me for all of these years, this guilt, this everything. And it was, it was so strange because in this healing, in this forgiveness, in this space, I physically, Dr. Huber, felt somebody leave me. And it was this, I mean, I was shaking uncontrollably as I could feel this. And then, boom, it was out. And it was like something from a, a horror movie. Boom. And then I just kind of collapsed on the floor. And they said, wow, that was big. That was huge. You've been carrying that, this person with you. So that that was an exorcism, man. I don't care what you call it. And it wasn't a demon. It wasn't a, anything bad, but it was showing you the catharsis of what we carry with us, whether we know we're doing it or not. You might think right. it's guilt and, and, you know, I felt bad. I didn't help my friend out of a bad situation that got worse and ended up with the death of her and two of her children. Um but she would never have wanted me to feel that guilt. She knew that it was her choices that put her in these right. positions. And this was, I think, connecting in this <laughs> ether realm. It broke me, man. I, it was finally free. I, I've, I've missed her. I felt her, but I've never felt that overwhelming guilt and depression about it again. That's crazy to me. And so I can see how doing this ketamine therapy and treatment, if, if you're having that kind of cathartic change, this is, this is, fantastic and you say it's been around why aren't we hearing about this why well, why aren't people dealing with ptsd being offered ketamine treatments they're getting drugs and va hospital visits that are doing nothing well actually where i where i got introduced from this besides actually my son had surgery at one point when he was about three and and the doctor is like oh we're short staff can you come help and i walk in the surgical suite and they start telling me yeah we're going to give him ketamine that was probably my first thing he's 20 years old now so that was 17 years ago mm -hmm. and uh the the next time I, I was digging and doing some research and i was working on a court case and they're all it was just long story short the judge basically asked me to go find out about this stuff and i got a hold of uh some people at the va and they gave me redacted data over about 10 years and literally there were 
tens of thousands of patients where they had been treating them with post or for post-traumatic stress disorder with ketamine. And, you know, then, then I was able to go through and do, do ANOVAs and MANOVAs and try to figure out exactly, you know, will this work for what the judge was asking and that type of stuff and, and presented that data. I called in some experts actually from the VA and referenced lots of research that we, we were talking about earlier from the 70s. And now that research has been duplicated in places like Yale Medical School, um, the Johns Hopkins has lots of research there, but why isn't it being used everywhere else? And it has to do with the dollar bill. You know, the medication itself is not very expensive. And unless you're using S-ketamine, that's the one that has the, the patents on them that are current. Um, it, it, it's very inexpensive, the medication itself. Now, it's a scheduled medication, so we have lots of checks and balances. There's mm-hmm. lots of medical procedures that are going on that are being supervised by nurses and physicians. And in fact, if you go to tripsitter.clinic, the first person you meet is one of our physicians, and they they do an assessment and make sure you know that you don't have things that are contraindicated because there are things that you shouldn't be taking ketamine with, conditions and other things. For example, schizophrenia, if you have that. I don't want to try and stimulate psychosis in somebody right. who already naturally Obviously. has it. And and then then we move you on and we pass you on to our trip sitters. Now our trip sitters are trained. We've got the whole process out. And there. I, I've got to tell you, I love that title. I right, my my gal was a facilitator, the one that helped me. I'm a facilitator through, but I love trip sitter. Let's just call it what it is. You're sitting there just making sure this trip goes well for them. Right. And so, so in simpler terms, they're probably coaches, you know, it's like, Hey, okay. Your music's too loud. Turn your music down. You know, the, you know, that type of stuff, make sure that the room is nice and comfortable for you. And we do this online. So you don't have to have, you know, a a situation where you go into a doctor's office and you spend half a day there, you know, this is in your home, in your own privacy. And once you've learned the mechanisms and the processes involved, you don't necessarily have to have that trip sitter there. You talk to your doctor, you meet with your doctor once a month on our programs and uh, you, you know, you adjust medication with the doctor. The doctor reviews the notes from the trip sitters. Um, then we also have a component where if you want a real psychologist or licensed professional counselor, we've got that option available for you too. And that's typically done after you know, you, you, you take your medication the next day or so. Um, some of our therapists are willing to do the trip sitting with you, but you have to realize that they're trip sitters at that point. They're not your therapist until right. after because our trip sitter, you know, there's no license for them. It has to do with experience, knowledge, uh, experience in, in what happens with a person doing psychedelic medication, you know, you mentioned psilocybin. It's a different experience than ketamine, right, which is a right. different experience than LSD, which is a different experience than ayahuasca. Right. And ayahuasca and DMT cause almost universally people to vomit and things like that. Well, ketamine doesn't. Some people don't like it. It's a very bitter taste and we give it to you orally so some people do get nauseous if you have a tendency to do that our daughter or our doctors will send with your medication you need to talk to them and they'll send you um anti-nausea medication and stuff like a zofran or something yeah sure. exactly zofran now, is is this something that is is covered by insurances or is this something that's an elective uh, it, it is not covered by insurance um i know that tricare it has been carrying it in some areas um, 
but uh, and and in I think in Colorado Medicaid is using it, but it's through injection only. So you have to go into the doctor to do that, mm-hmm. and that's what they cover. And you know, otherwise it's very expensive. You go to an office, say you come to see me, and you do it in my my peer physician's office. We go to their office. We don't do it in my therapy office. We do it in the medical doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got all the support staff and everything we got there in case there's a problem, which. Knock on wood, I have you know been doing this about eight years, and I haven't had one, haven't been exposed to one, haven't seen one, and um, it's anywhere from about five hundred dollars a dose. I've seen a few places where you do group administration, where it's around four thirty to four forty a dose, all the way up to um, I, I work with some doctors who charge fourteen to sixteen hundred dollars per dose. Now at Tripsitter, your doctor and you discuss what your symptoms are, how intense they are, what your daily life is like. And you will get with the trip sitter doctor, depending upon the treatment plan that he writes or she writes with you anywhere from one dose a week up to four doses a week. And so up to 12 or 16 doses a month, and it's for less than $600 a month. So, and that includes the trip sitters, all of that everything else right there. And folks, I know just thinking this out loud, right? How many of you are self-medicating to try to make yourself feel better as it is? And you're doing it in a way that's destructive and killing you. Um, this $600. Now, if you did it and I did this month long process, am I like, I did that psilocybin. I didn't feel I needed to do it again. Now it's two years later. I'm interested in maybe doing it again because I felt like I had that catharsis. I shed that cocoon. I'm okay now. Um, do you need to continually do this or is this something that, you know, this treatment can really kind of tune you up and get you where you need to be? And you're probably good for a number of years. Well, what I, what I want to do is I want to try and do as much adjustment to your brain as we can mm-hmm. with the, with the ketamine. So, you know, in a perfect world, you go three to six months, honestly, mm-hmm. because then you've, you've made that long-term change. You've changed not only, your perspective on life, you've changed the the neurochemistry that's going on in your brain and you've changed your habits by that point. And then you probably only need a follow-up every couple of years, maybe, you know, I I have patients who come in like once a year, they just come in, they get infusion, they're good to go. And, uh, but they came in and they did a good six weeks, really intense, but I was there and the physician was right there in front of them. So we could work a lot more aggressively being that it is a controlled substance that we want our patients to be safe and that we're doing this over, you know, secure HIPAA approved, you know, video equipment and things like that. We go cautiously. We don't start off with, Oh, I know this patient, you know, next month we, I know I'm going to be giving them this huge dose. So let's just start there. No, we don't do that because everybody is different. There's always outliers. We start with the Yale protocol, which is a very specific, uh, treatment based on your body weight. And um, if you look at NIH, they have a model that's almost identical. It's very similar to the Yale protocol. And our doctors ch- choose one or the other. Most of them start with the Yale protocol. Um, and then they adjust it for things like, you know, oh, this person happens to be in a state where THC is legal and they, they're a regular user of THC. So we know that that's going to affect absorption and they start making adjustments. But then they move slowly. And we've had people who start off on that Yell protocol. And we've actually had to bring them back and do significant lower doses to get that psychedelic experience instead of actually going up because their body was metabolizing, 
metabolizing it too fast. And it was not doing what it was supposed to be doing. And you're, you're helping people with PTSD. You're helping people with these, uh, with their own demons, with the things that they're carrying with them and people that are hearing voices, people that are having issues like this that have been eliminated, like our, our, our listener, Andrew, who sent in that email, who's been in for medical treatments that they can't find reasons. This is, this is kind of the unleashing, right? This is the way to help those people that maybe have tried other methods and haven't gotten that help and don't well, want to it, stay not, on, dude, on. People don't know this. I mean, doctors right. aren't trained to do this in medical school. This is something they have to go out and research and learn. Or if they come to us, we do the training in-house. We have the, we have the data. We have all the research they can review. And we also have our, our CMO and our chief doctors and stuff who go down and, and, and walk the physicians through the, the protocols and things like that. So we know they know what to do. And I, you know, I, under the guise of getting rid of our demons, folks, it's not just in, and I don't mean that just in the psychological aspect. We carry a lot of this weight, like my friend Debbie that I purged, that I, I, I was able to let go. This is something that, in, again, ketamine and psilocybin, different things, but the same kind of results in the fact that it is taking you to a different vibrational level. It's bringing you up. It's, it's like you said, it's taking the base of where pain is now and lifting it to allow you to have a new normal, to allow you to shed and move on. So folks, and I get emails constantly, people that are on the brink of suicide that are on the, uh, they, they just don't know where to turn anymore because they feel like medical science has failed them. They feel like they don't have a place to go. They don't have a way to help them. And, and their family and friends were not counselors. You turn to us, there's not much we can do, but say, Hey, chin up. Things are going to get better. Come on, be plucky, you know, and that isn't going to help somebody that's in these positions, but now there is help and this help is available. And, and are there clinics like this around the United States and around the world for people? There are brick and mortar clinics and they're primarily in the larger communities Um, again, though, you have to go into the clinics and it typically involves needles and a lot of people don't really like, it's not conducive to getting into that, you know, in that accepting and and use the word for forgiveness. I like to use the word peace, allow the peace, allow Mm -hmm. the peace to come through. And, you know, to do that, if you start off by being, you know, aggressive, sticking needles in somebody, it kind of defeats some of the purpose for some of my, my patients. And it's a learned process. You can do this in your home with, you know, online and safety and security. We got the whole process set up. Um, I, I get emails all the time from patients who are like, oh, my God, this this saved my life. And, uh, you know, tried everything else. And you, you also said it turns things up. A lot of our antidepressants, antipsychotic medications, they, they numb everything. So you don't not just feel the, the pain and the depression. You also don't feel the happiness. Right. You know, you just, you're okay, you're not elated, but you're also not depressed. Well, in this situation, it allows you to reframe your, takes your brain and makes it create new neural pathways and says, wait, you, you have a choice in this and our treatment, our therapy allows you to not express the, the sad side of things, acknowledging that it's there. It doesn't say, hey, it's not, you know, this is a perfect world. No, that's not right. it at all. But it also allows you to feel the pleasure and feel that, you know, what do we get from that? The, the regular standard psychotropics, you get a decrease, decreased sex drive. There's a couple of studies out there that shows with ketamine for, for middle-aged women, it actually increase and boost their sex drive. And now all of a sudden, hey, they're feeling better and they actually would like to be intimate with their partners. 
where a lot of people feel okay on, on standard psychotropics, but they're just not interested in that other stuff. Well, then um, let me, let me say this about that too, that, um, I, I did this, uh, my one dose of psilocybin was roughly $500, um, for that one dose. That's one time he's saying six, $600 a month, you're getting different treatments. So it's not a one shot deal. Right. And, and you're getting it in a medical deal. What I did was frowned upon by regular communities. This <laughs> is, I had to do it in a hotel with a facilitator. And it's unfortunate because it is very helpful, but this at least is something above board and legal. It's, it's not a back alley right. you know, drug. You're, you're getting help from somebody. Uh, so I want you to look into this again, tripsitter.clinic for more information uh, to get this, but there is help. And I want people to realize that even if you're dealing with this, you, the supernatural and the paranormal are a part of us and, and a part of our world. And we carry these fragments of, of trauma from our past and from the people around us. We're connected. We have these things. Well, you need to reset. You need to do that. And you deserve a better life for you and for the people around you and the people that you love. And if you're sitting in those positions of darkness, like I've been, and you've dealt with depression and, you know, I've been on different medications that don't help my depression. And as a matter of fact, they make me sweat or they make me have other issues that make me feel even worse. And I don't want that. Who wants that? We want to feel good. We want to live the life that we're meant to live. And these are natural things that can help us through this. So that's why I wanted to talk about this today because it does have ties to the supernatural. It does help you when we talk about the paranormal and, and getting rid of things. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, raising our vibrational level. If you wallow in a place of darkness and you're always upset and you're always a victim, uh, you bring that to you. The moat is down. The water will come over. When you raise yourself up with laughter and love and happiness, you're in a much better place that brings more of that to you. And it actually repels negativity. Negativity doesn't want to be around you. They'll keep pecking at you and trying, but you become immune to them. That's your new nose blind. That's your new ground level. So that's what things like this treatment can do. And I've been listening to listeners for 16, 17 years now looking for something like this that can help them spiritually, physically, and mentally. And this seems to be the perfect mix of all three, Dr. Huber. Excellent. I'd like to say, say a couple of things. One of them is no one Please. treatment works for everybody. Right. But when it comes to this and the psych whole psychedelic industry, you need physicians who actually have gone through training and understand the research behind it. Because doctors who haven't done that, you know, I, I was recently hospitalized and and uh, all the doctors came in and, well, what's this medication? And I'm telling them about it. One of them came in who didn't know the medication. And he, all he kept saying is, quit taking that. Don't take that. That's bad for you. And, you know, he didn't know the research until after I sat down and showed it to him. And I, I pointed to it and, you know, changed his mind. You know, that hey, wait a minute. You're not using it in anesthesia levels. You're using it in very low dose. And you're just using it when you're in pain. Right. And so you need to talk to a doctor and that's why I help create tripsitter.clinic because this, this, there's so many people out there who can't access a brick and mortar and so many people who won't because of how much it interferes with their, their daily life. Right. Come to tripsitter.clinic. It may not be right for you, but man, you deserve to find out. Right. Just check it out for yourself. And, and the money that you're spending on drugs that aren't helping and alcohol that's not helping and you're seeing your life spiral, give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance to get out of that hole and get the help you need. Dr. Huber, thank you again for joining us and sharing your insights today. It's been uh, enlightening, to say the least. And I always appreciate our time that we're able to share together.
Thank you. Thank you. We do have a link up for Dr. Huber on today's program guide. So just look below, or for those of you listening to the audio version of this, it will be in today's description and information. All right. It is time now for upon further review. I have a very special guest joining me in just a few moments to review a movie that I thought was fitting for the topic that we've been discussing today. So ladies and gentlemen, let me give you a little taste of what I sent him to watch. And then we'll be joined right after this. Oh, I saw a guy who got a two-inch needle stuck into his arm while he was under hypnosis, didn't feel king. Okay, Kreskin, prove it. <clears throat> Hypnotize somebody. Yeah, do me. No. Come on. What's the worst that can happen? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Why do I know that song? <laughs> Are you okay? What the hell did she do to me? He sleeps like 12 hours a night. Why are you digging? The man's switch got flipped. He's a receiver now. She's taking him away. She was here. What's the problem? of echoes kevin bacon it's hard to believe there are some people who still haven't seen this movie but i called upon my buddy and you might remember him from the travel channel series uh, haunting in the heartland or perhaps you've seen his two shock docs and he's got more on the way ladies and gentlemen he did ed gein the real psycho and scream the true story the real story of the gainesville ripper and uh, he's going to be joining us next week along with cindy Kaza, the medium to talk about killer ghosts so ladies and gentlemen help me introduce to you our good friend mr steve shippy what's up dave thanks hey, for steve. On. hey it's a pleasure to have you here all right we just watched the trailer for this cinematic kevin bacon classic stir of echoes and since we've spent an entire episode talking about voices in our head i thought it'd be great to have an opportunity to talk about this movie that believe it or not steve i was even surprised people don't know about stir of echoes that's very true. Yeah. I, I mean, sadly, I, the year it came out, it was kind of overshadowed because that's when Shyamalan dropped that his hallmark film, uh, you know, and I see dead people, I guess, uh, you know, resonated with the audience and right. those kind of got swept away. But I mean, it really has held up and it became a cult classic and ultimately did recoup and made quite a profit, but it took quite a while. Right now with this movie, I, I don't know people. I was actually astounded how many horror movies or thrillers like this in the paranormal genre that Kevin Bacon's actually been a part of, you know, his first, what was his first movie role was in the, the very first Friday, the 13th. Yep. One of the, I think he's the kid that gets, he's on the bunk and she stabs him with the arrow through the throat. Yep. Spoiler alert. In case you've missed it for the last 40 some years, he's been in a stir of echoes. He was in, um, 
uh, oh my God, my mind just went blank. He was, what, what's the movie he did with um, Kiefer Sutherland and, and uh, Julia Roberts were the Flatliners, right? Flatliners, yeah. Flatliners was great. Tremors, yeah. so many of the other cool little flicks out there. Tell us, for people that are not familiar and have been living in a cave, kind of give us the background of Stir of Echoes. Well, I mean, Stir of Echoes, from what I understand, it's actually uh, was originally a book, I guess, uh, years previously. And uh, the producers got the rights to the story. And, and uh, the man that originally wrote the book gave his blessing on it. And they, you know, set out to create that. And, you know, ultimately, it's Kevin Bacon's kind of at a party. Uh, he decides to go under hypnosis because he's kind of a skeptic. He doesn't really believe it's real or that he could possibly go under hypnosis. And uh, with a little bit of peer pressure at this gathering, he he does go under hypnosis. And, you know, he says that famous line in the film, what's the worst that can happen? Well, right. yeah, definitely some things happened. Uh, he ended up connecting with the other side and starts to communicate with uh, this deceased young woman uh, who he becomes basically obsessed with. And it's kind of his mission to figure out what happened to her and can he help her and uh, his life just completely is all consumed by this paranormal quest to the point where it disrupts his life, his marriage, his job. Um, and it's cinematically, I think it's excellent. You know, it really is a film that deserves much more credit than it has. I, you know, that scene when he's digging in his own basement and the things he's doing reminds me of Close Encounters of the Third Kind when Richard Dreyfus gets that kind of connection and all of a sudden he's obsessed with the Devil's Tower and the messages he's getting. That seemed to really play well. And Bacon does a great job. Ileana Douglas, uh, I think, is his sister-in-law. She's the one that puts him under hypnosis. You know, overseas, they called the movie, I think it was like Hypnos. So it wasn't even, uh, you know, a stir of echoes. But based on that, you know, is that something you would ever be interested in going into a paranormal investigation, allowing somebody to hypnotize you to try to open your third eye to allow that aspect of you to be involved in a, a paranormal investigation? It's funny why even just while you're saying it, I'm, I'm like getting the dread of, you know, just <laughs> thinking about it. Um, you know, I mean, if, if I was with someone like you, if I was with, you know, some really seasoned pros, uh, I might be open to it, I guess, depending on what the kind of case was. But, you know, if you didn't have uh, the right group of people with you, um, I, I, I don't think I would. I certainly wouldn't suggest <laughs> it to uh, people that don't have that, uh, you know, that core group with them. Well, this movie, I, I really thought it stood out. You're one of the guys I gave a good movie to watch, right? Uh, people never know what grenade I'm going to toss in their lap. But I love the acting. As you said, this cinematography is great. The story's interesting. Characters are well-written and, and created. Uh, I This is one of the few I just can't find any real flaws with. Uh, no. Was there anything that stood out to you that was like, yeah, this could have been different? You know, not not so much. I mean, they use practical effects, which is awesome. You know, when they're when he's pulling out his teeth, and uh, you know, it, it really feels real. And, and like we were talking with the cinematography, they do that excellent job of making it high tension so often. You know, with those extreme close ups and those kind of weird Dutch angles, and uh, you you almost feel like you're in a different world when you're watching the film. You know, right. and, and I think that's what's awesome is they're they're not just having big jump moments uh it's all of it encompassing is unnerving it's not just you know certain parts or misdirection horror film tactics you know they really do a good job with that 
Well, there's another reason, of course, I chose you to watch this movie. You're going to be my guest next week on the show with Cindy Kaza. We're going to talk about killer ghosts discussing the shock docs that you've been doing where you and Cindy Kaza are off on the trail of serial killers from the real story behind the movie Scream to the real psycho Ed Gein. And I figured this is, you know, you've got a paranormal story that's kind of murder and mystery and and uh, Stir of Echoes seem to fit that bill beautifully so we of course we we always rate these movies um you know with the phantom scale of one being dave i'm gonna punch you in the throat next time i see you five being the sixth sense i don't know what other movie could really ever live up to that but where do you put this in the category of uh rating for a supernatural thriller and that would be a scale from one to five yeah um honestly i would give it i would give it four and a half strong you know, it, it really is excellent, you know, and it holds up after all these years. I, I fell in love with the film when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was kind of crazy going back and watching it again. And it, it still holds up. And we, you know, we both know we can't say that about a lot of things. No, we certainly cannot. Even, you know, some of the classic movies that I, I and I probably one of the few that says this, but like the original Ghostbusters, the original Poltergeist. I'll always have a love for them, but the special right. ex, uh, special effects and acting are not great in a lot of the cast on those movies, but yeah. they've got that, that certain affinity. But I think Stir of Echoes is a movie you could review every 10 years and would still feel kind of in the now. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And, you know, it's definitely going to be a film, I think, years and years from now that will be remade by somebody. Right. Uh, you know, that was inspired and influenced growing up by it. Very cool. Steve, how can people keep up with you and the other great projects you're up with? Um, I, you can find me on social media, uh, Facebook, Steve Shippey, um, or you can look up uh, Haunted Saginaw, S-A-G-I-N-A-W, and uh, you can find me there. Will do. I'll make sure that we include links for that so people can find you again. Tune in next week, kids, because we've got killer ghosts, Steve Shippey, Cindy Kaza comedian and actor jamie kaler is going to join me for an upon further review we've got a real shocker of a movie for him to take on and take a look at this week you know there's a darkness that lives in each of us voices that seem to try to direct our every thought sadly the negative voices seem to be in control most of the time and that's because of our own insecurities and because of our past baggage The words we say to ourselves and allow our inner voices to continue to say can be poison to us. One of my very favorite sayings of all times comes from Bruce Lee. Don't speak negatively about yourself, even as a joke. Your body doesn't know the difference. Words are energy and cast spells. That's why it's called spelling. Change the way you speak about yourself and you can change your life. What you're not changing, you're also choosing. This is not something that is just because of our own insecurities. Obviously, when we are in a weakened state, we are more vulnerable. We are open to elements of darkness. And thankfully, there are treatments. There are people out there that can help us. But the initial step has to begin with you. What you put into your head and into your soul and into your mind is what will begin to fortify you. And I hope that you heed all that thought and change the words you allow yourself to hear. And your world will change. It won't always be easy, but it is a commitment you deserve 
in order to get a better life. For others, there are amazing treatments like Dr. Huber offers through tripsitter.clinic or help from friends like Reverend Bill Bean and Robert Major. My prayer for you all listening is a peaceful soul and a life filled with abundance of love and of laughter. I'd like to thank our guests, Dr. John Huber, to Robert Major, and of course, Steve Shippey for dropping in. Thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60 and allowing me along on your journey. May the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we shared here. Remember, you are worthy of happiness, no matter what anyone else has told you. You are the author of your own story. When things jump course, instead of letting it derail you, yell out, plot twist, and continue authoring the story the way you want it to go. Make sure to like this video and podcast, subscribe, and tell everyone you know about it. And for our new podcast listeners, please rate and review this show wherever you listen to the program. We would appreciate your help in spreading the news about the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. So by rating and reviewing the show, that helps to bolster us in all of the different categories that we are listed in and makes us more well-known throughout the different podcasting systems. And by telling your friends, neighbors, relatives, co-workers about the show, it's another way to share things that are an interest of yours. It'll help our show. And you might find that you make even more connections with the people around you. We'll see you again next week, right here on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. And this Friday with the Paranormal 60 Minutes newscast. This program has been brought to you in conjunction with the Unex Network, the best in paranormal programming.